0: Today I'm going to share about the road trip I took in August of 2019. It was 6,800 miles in 26 days. And here's a little bit about what it was, what I learned, and I guess how it went. So if you're not interested in road trips, you might want to skip this episode or not. there's probably something in here that will help you. 6,800 miles sounds like a lot of miles. In many ways it is, and in a lot of ways it wasn't, uh, based on the way we structured the trip and things that we put into place on this trip that we had learned in past trips that were like this, although not quite as long. The interesting thing about 26 days being gone that long is it's just enough time or it is enough time, to develop some new habits and new perspectives, yeah, it was kind of interesting to build some new habits in a different way of living and then kind of come back to, quote, normal life. If there is such a thing, this trip evolved in uh, somewhat of a serendipitous, interesting way. My wife had been wanting to take a trip like this for a long time, but I had said that I couldn't afford to take the time off. I couldn't envision how we would do a cross-country trip affordably. I wasn't ready to buy an RV. And then several things just lined up to where it was almost a situation of like, we'd be silly not to do this. This is totally within our reach. Oh, this is a little scary, but let's do it. So I ended up taking off Almost all of August, I did a few things here and there uh, with a couple of, well, potential clients and then an existing one, but it was a really amazing time away from ordinary life. I have zero regrets, and a great reminder I got from Tina Robinson was that in many ways, this is why we... Coaches, people that are um, maybe not working for a company anymore, have chosen this. Now, as I thought about that more, I thought, well, yes, that's one of the huge benefits of doing it. Although I don't know that I like consciously set out to say, yeah, I want to be in uh, location independent and uh, be able to do whatever I want. How could I do that? Oh, I guess I could get into coaching. It was more the other way around. Coaching is really something that I love to participate in, in other words, be coached, and then help other people. It's something This is completely a tangent, but something I've been uh, playing with recently is when people ask, what do I do? It's that I help in unnecessary suffering. How many times do we put ourselves through unnecessary suffering in our minds, based on the things we think about. But that's probably several other podcasts. So anyway, it was a great reminder from Tina of when I was grappling with, you know, take a whole month off, what would that look like? Can we afford to? Et cetera, et cetera. But in the end, we had the data and the, we had enough information that just said, you know what, let's do this. What's the worst thing that could happen? And the worst thing that could happen was really not that bad. So a few things that came together as a result of the ACS community that I was in for a good portion of 2019. It came about uh, largely sitting in LaGuardia um, after a weekend in New York City, and talking to Karen who was uh, one of my colleagues in the in the community and speculating about some work that we might want to do together and how we might do it. Now something I've dabbled with I uh, I think I've done it three times is equine coaching. So that's where you are doing activities with a horse on the ground you're not riding the horse but you're uh, typically leading the horse on a rope and or not, and then interacting with the horse in different ways and learning about yourself based on the way the horse responds or doesn't and then using that in discussion with a coach. So Karen lives in Missouri and has six horses, And has done some of this work and was looking to do more of it. And we were talking about the possibility of could we do this with our clients? What would this look like? And so she's like, well, why don't you just come visit? And I thought, well, hmm, that would be a good idea. (laughs) Then there was needed to go to Michigan for the final weekend, final weekend of ACS. So ACS meets three different times in three different places in the United States. And so the third one was going to be in Michigan towards the end of August. Then related to this, my wife who plays bluegrass banjo had applied to go to Bela Flex banjo camp in North Carolina and initially hadn't gotten in. And so we had kind of written it off and then she had been added to a wait list and then they had come back and said, hey, would you like to come? For me, it was going to be flying to Michigan, potentially flying to St. Louis, my wife needing to fly to North Carolina. And then thinking, wait a minute, if we just drove, so that's three plane tickets right there. I added up the cost of the plane tickets and everything else and I thought, wait a minute, if we just drove, it would cost less We would have more options, and we'd have a lot more fun, and we could all be together. So three of us could travel and go to all these places, as opposed to me and my wife traveling separately and spending the same or more amount of money. So it was a little scary to ask for the time where necessary and take it. But in the end, it was super awesome. I have no regrets. And if you have the opportunity to take off a large block of time and do something like this, I think the experience is invaluable. So I've talked before about knowing down to the dollar how much it costs you to live every month. That was hugely useful as we planned this trip because we knew how much we spent, how much we typically budget and spend in a typical month. And then we were able to translate that into what we estimated it would cost us to live on the road for a month, factoring in uh, staying with people we knew, using hotel points, camping. So there were any number of ways that we were able to reduce costs and also know that we were still living within our means and not digging a big hole for ourselves we'd have to dig ourselves out of later. I, once again, like Jocko Willink's whole thing around discipline equals freedom was so true here. We also realized as we were planning this that we were going to have some expenses no matter where we were. If we're spending a certain amount for groceries every month at home, we could spend a certain amount on groceries on the road. Did we eat out more? Yes. Did we spend more than we thought in some places? Yes. Did we spend a lot less in some places? Yes, we did. So we... Really, in the end of this whole thing, when we added up, when we got home, we sat down and and we used a program called YNAB. You need a budget, which I highly recommend. When we got home, we added up what it had all cost, and we had come in several hundred dollars less than what we thought we were going to spend. So, have absolutely no regrets. It did not put a dent in our finances. It's not something we'll be trying to recover from for years, and I'll do it again in a heartbeat. What we found worked really well was having just enough of a plan, kind of like life. So in some places, we had hard dates and deadlines. ACS was starting on a certain day. My wife's banjo camp was starting and ending on certain days. Um, So there were certain dates that were fixed, but other things were not, and so... There, what we found worked really well was to scope out possible hotels, attractions, campgrounds along the way that could be options that we could just go to versus spending an evening on the internet in a hotel room or on a cell phone with spotty uh, internet coverage trying to figure out the next place to stay. It generally worked pretty well. Uh, I would say, and this met my expectation, half the information that we collected before we left, we didn't even use. But the half that we did turned out to be really valuable. So the route that we took was essentially a big circle. We left Oregon, went east, and then north into Idaho to the Satus, a mountain range that I had seen on a road trip in college years before. This was way before I had been to... Europe or traveled anywhere else and I was just taken by these mountains and thought someday I want to visit them and so we did. We ended up spending just a couple just one night there and then moving on there wasn't as much to see there as we thought. So from there, we drove into Wyoming, the Grand Tetons, uh, an amazing campground in Medicine Bow at about 8,000 feet from there Nebraska. Missouri to uh, visit Karen and her six horses from Missouri touched Illinois just a little bit then Tennessee and then North Carolina where uh, we stayed with some family my wife went to a banjo camp uh, spent 10 minutes spent about 30 minutes in South Carolina buying gas (laughs) we were right on the edge of North Carolina and South Carolina and then as we left North Carolina to go to Michigan. We went through Kentucky, Ohio, and then into Michigan, spent three or four days there, and then left driving through Wisconsin, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, and then back home. So kind of a route through sort of the middle of the United States, then uh, north to Michigan. Here, the the most surprising geography of this trip was the distance between North Carolina, where we were staying, and Michigan, was a nine and a half hour drive. Now, if you live on the West Coast, you would think no, that would probably be like twenty hours. But surprise, <laughs> distances, yeah, East and West Coast, totally different. I don't know what to call it anyway, so there's there's the there are all the places that we visited the first nine days of this trip, so I mentioned that I'm on this reading and consumption fast, and this is where I really first put it into use about the first nine days of the trip the first nine day- well the first seven or eight days of the trip we camped, which was by design. We found that by camping up front. When you have more energy, is better and save the hotels and that stuff for maybe the the end of the trip. There's also a lot of driving, so we did this by de- we did this by design too. We had really long days of driving and then no driving, which we would found from a previous trip when we drove a little bit every day, total path to burnout. So in this first nine days, I did not listen to any podcasts. I did very little reading, and all I did was stare out the window, just kind of letting my left my mind to its own devices. In a sense, it was like there was just this big unwinding that needed to happen. There were moments of boredom. There were moments of of like, is my mind starting to go crazy here? And It was really good to just sit with all this and just be with it. Not good in a like, wow, this is a thrill a minute fun. But there was something cleansing. There was something slowing down about it. There was... I guess in an, in, a, in an ironic way, there was a sense of stopping even though we were going somewhere. There was also some learning. So in I remember this very particular stretch of Wyoming where this happens, I think, on every trip we've done like this. There's the first, I don't know, week or so of the trip, there's a worry of like, what if we break down? And that was no exception here. So... <laughs> I remember this stretch of Wyoming west of the Grand or East of the Grand Tetons where it was ninety degrees, ninety-five degrees, there was gonna be no no services. So some of these some of these stretches of road, fifty, sixty miles, occasionally there'll be a sign that says, you know, no services for fifty or sixty miles. Well, if you're on empty or you're running, you know, if you're if you only have a couple of two or three gallons of gas left, And you hit one of those stretches, you can really, it's possible to run out of gas. So, (laughs) I remember being in one of these stretches and thinking, okay, so what if we broke down here? What would we do? Um, You know, and occasionally, you know, I'd be in these big mountain passes or long stretches of road out on the plains And you would just, and I would think, well, okay, what would happen? And, you know, as you're climbing the hill, like the transmission would slip in some weird way or the engine would start to sound funny. And then it would be the thought of like, what if, what if we break down? What if we get stuck here? It was really uncomfortable, but good to sit with these things because I realized as I, as I was with it, instead of just trying to push it away by, I'll just listen to podcasts and distract myself. It was realizing that somehow everything would be okay because it always has been i also went down the path of okay what would i do if we broke down right now what would i do well i would pull over and somehow we would have to you know create some shade because it's super hot outside and we have tarps and we have ways to do that no problem And then I also realized I've broken down time, not that many times, but I've broken down before, and it's always worked out. I've never not survived or gotten help. So the chances of that happening here are pretty low. And then as I found this, the trip went on, and I kind of got used to being in this routine and our van didn't break down and everything ran smoothly, I thought about it less and less. But it was helpful to realize, too, oh, yeah, when we took a trip like this to Texas a few years ago, it was the same thing. And to be clear, just being aware of these patterns didn't make it any more comfortable or easier to be with. But I think there was some learning and, and some growth that happened in the process. Some other things that worked really well, we prepared probably a month or more in advance. We'd started talking about it probably a couple months before we did it. But what really helped was getting a bunch of physical maps from AAA. So having Google Maps is great and then it's not great. And so having a bunch of paper maps that we could spread out and look at and write on and put posts on was super helpful. We also got our van serviced really early. So our mechanic is usually booked out a few days or weeks and so got the tires rotated and balanced got the whole got everything serviced and ready and inspected and you know told them we were going to be gone for a long time what we were doing and there were no big huge surprises in the repairs that need to be done but we got them done it wasn't cheap but the van was ready to go and it wasn't one of those things we were trying to do uh, the night before. I mentioned earlier, long driving days and then breaks with no driving. Super helpful. We also kind of took on an approach that if where we ended up was dumb or there was nothing to do there, we would just move on. And so we found, so I mentioned we got to the Sawtooth and realized there wasn't as much to see or do there as we had thought. And the campground we were staying in wasn't very enjoyable. So we stayed one night and then we moved on. And we did that for a couple of nights in a row. And before we knew it, but I guess by the end of the first week, we were two or three days ahead of our original schedule. And so we just started moving things around and adjusting. And we ended up getting to a few places two or three days earlier. And that just made room for other things and longer stretches of resting and not driving that were beneficial. Another thing I had learned i well, not learned very well because keep repeating it was stop before it's too late in the day. I don't know about you, but it takes me some time to wind down. So in other words, getting into a, if I can normally go to bed around ten ten thirty, getting into a hotel at 10 means I'm probably not going to go to sleep until midnight. Cause it takes just a couple hours to just wind down, take shower, whatever we learned to stop earlier than we thought Sometimes just, you know, it took a little time to find a place. Sometimes this was the tension between making a reservation in advance, but then being locked into that place on that date because you had a reservation or just winging it. Also, we learned this (laughs) more than once was making decisions on a full stomach. So it can be tempting to just try to, to ram things through, but we found a number of times at the end of a day, we were trying to decide what to do next the best decision was simply to decide to eat dinner and then to decide after that. And that was one of the really, really great learnings of this trip was, was learning to live more in the present. The tension between what are we going to do tomorrow? And we will know tomorrow when we wake up and we will decide then. And so there was just a kind of a constant tension between what are we doing tomorrow? What should we decide? Let's not decide. Look, we didn't decide. Now it's blowing up in our faces. Or, wow, it's really great we didn't decide last night because we were so tired. And I also learned the power and the importance of putting eyes on a place. So I'd wanted to visit Karen's facilities as we had talked about possibly doing something together. I thought, I just want to know what this place looks like and feels like and all that other stuff. (laughs) especially before I bring clients to it. And it was really cool to meet her and her family and their setting, uh, things that I'd heard about, you know, seeing in real life, and then realizing, okay, this is different than what I thought it was. And we actually did some work with the horses together, which was totally cool. My whole family got, got to have different experiences. But being there helped me to realize you know what this is not the right time and some things would need to be different for me to feel like this was a right next step so in some ways it was disappointing to go all that distance and discover that but on the other hand I was like you know what I'm so glad that I know that now and that in the future when something wants to happen with this I will be ready to go Some other miscellaneous things, stopping at all the information places on our, on the return loop, we stopped, I think at three places in South Dakota, like forestry service, forestry service was amazing. National forest service had all kinds of maps and stuff and all kinds of places that you would camp that you wouldn't normally know about, or you're not going to read about in a AAA book. What we found there was really fascinating. We stopped in South Dakota. We stopped at the forestry service, tourist information. And then a national park ranger and piecing together information from those three places landed us at a campground we probably wouldn't have found otherwise. If you know the hotel you're going to, great. But if you're camping or making it up as you're going, just taking a quick stop and grabbing a bunch of local information, super, super helpful. We also found that leaving earlier in the day made it much easier to rack up the miles. There's something about hitting the road at 5 a.m. that by the time it's 9, it's four hours, and you're way down the road compared to leaving at 9 and being four hours down the road at 1. And so the days that we really needed to rack up the miles, when we left earlier, it made all the difference in the world. If you're not a morning person, not really sure. (laughs) I guess I have the luxury of being a morning person, so that really helps me here. Another thing that really, really helped was an old-fashioned GPS. I don't know too many people that have. I borrowed one from my sister that was several years old and barely worked. I had to do this hacky thing to load the. M- we needed so many maps because of how far we were going that I had to do this hacky thing where I loaded half the maps for the first part of the trip and then another maps for the... Anyway, so what I loved about it, though, was... It always had coverage. So no matter where we were, we had coverage. Uh, it was nice to have one device that only did one thing, just permanently stuck to the windshield, uh, showed you how fast you were going. Elevation, that was a really interesting one. Uh, realizing like how high we were in certain places, or camping, or passes we were um, going up. And that just worked out really, really well. Because... We don't spend that much money on cell phone plans, and we had decent coverage probably half the time. There's probably 20% of the time we didn't have coverage. There's just nothing like being on some forestry road, and we never got completely lost, but just being somewhere where you could just say, okay, take me to this city and... It would just do it without realizing. Oh, we don't have coverage, or Google Maps didn't download the maps like it was supposed to. I had very very mixed success with Google li- Google Maps offline. So old fashioned GPS highly highly recommended. A couple other things here: um, Costco. If you have a Costco membership, always had the cheapest gas in the city. Always cheap food, like the food court, if you're okay with that. Which. My wife became a huge fan of their Caesar salads. So the food court's cheap. In fact, on the the very last day, the very last day we drove, I think over a thousand miles in eighteen hours, and we stopped at a Costco somewhere in Montana, and we just bought a whole pizza. (laughs) And so we just sat in the back in the cooler on the cooler, and we just uh, ate it as we felt like it. It's also a good place to you know resupply on car snacks. Another huge thing of this mixture of camping and hotels was we had a toolie box that I borrowed from a friend. Thank you, Charlie. Was not a fan of this thing. Originally, I didn't want this big honking thing on the roof. And I just thought it was going to be a hassle. But what was really amazing about it was all of our camping gear was in it. So when we weren't in camping mode, it was all just up on the roof, locked away, out of the way. And then... When we camped, we'd open it and take all the stuff out and camp and then put it back. So for three of us in a minivan for 26 days, that was really great for just having a place to just get stuff out of the way. Some advice to my future road tripping self or maybe to you, write a few bullets down every day before you go to sleep of of like what happened. Ideally, I think the best time to do this is right after dinner. Uh, maybe before you even do the dishes before you get too tired, and you know the day starts to fade away, and how' do this without exception um, I was shocked how quickly f- like there was in some ways there was so much happening and so little happening, <laughs> but I was surprised by how quickly the details faded of what happened on what day and what did we do, and what were the cool parts, what were the best parts, what were the funniest parts uh what did I learn? Also, uh, and one something that can go along with this too is just making sure to take a couple pictures every day. Doesn't matter what it is. I, I have this random picture of a silo or something outside of a Wendy's in nowhere Wyoming, but that one picture kind of takes me right back to that moment of being completely famished and not being sure what we were going to do and where we're going to drive all night and get home or not or whatever. And anyway, that picture just kind of crystallizes it. Next time out, I'd also like to find a better way to pool everyone's pictures. So uh, my wife and my son and me, we were all taking pictures, taking pictures of multiple devices. We had planned to have a uh, kind of picture of the day contest, which never really materialized, but some way to pool our pictures on a more regular basis and, I don't know, cull them on the way. So what's the future hold? I don't know, but I'd sure love to do this again in 2020. Uh, maybe head north into British Columbia and, uh, well, some family members want to go to Alaska. I'm not sure I want to go that far. But, yeah, it could uh, it could definitely be something I could see happening again. So I'd be glad to help you plan your trip <laughs> or at least give you some ideas or answer any questions. Uh, send me an email. Let's have a conversation. We can talk about other things, too. And uh, not very many people ever take me up on this. So let's do it. Thanks for listening to The John Polster Show. Notes, links, and all that other good stuff for this episode are at johnpolster.com slash podcast. Send your questions, ideas, or a simple hello to podcast at johnpolster.com. Want to stay up to date on new episodes and receive notifications of upcoming events? Register your email address at johnpolster.com slash updates.